feel a bit like last week. <laughs> I stood here. I'm glad to see nobody else has got any older either. <laughs> Do you have anything like this um, hanging round home? Not that one. Something's coming. Yeah. Do you have one like that? Well, uh, maybe not quite that one. That's a Stradivari, probably about 400 years old. Went to auction next week, you might get $50 million for it. But amazing story, isn't it? Many attempts have been made to copy it with all the modern technology, but never has they produced a violin that matches those that are still in existence from that particular time. They made all sorts of claims about maybe it was the temperature of the wood at that time and, um, and the fact that Stradivari never left any notes, he never left any details of um, how he, he put these together or, um, or what timbers he used, they can find that out, but how he mixed his, all his varnishes and everything else. The only way that people really learnt anything about the making of, of his uh, violins was to actually be there in his workshop to be watching what he did and, and copying exactly what he was doing. And it became known as elbow learning. To be so close to somebody, to be alongside them to such the degree that, that you mimicked the way that they were actually carrying out their particular trade. Learning by watching up close, as it were. And that's what it's like to have a mentor, isn't it? We might talk about traineeship, we might talk about um, apprenticeship, many different words that might be there for it. But virtually living alongside them and mimicking their lifestyle. Maybe uh, there's a, a Jewish saying that says, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi as the, the disciples followed their teacher along the road and were close enough as they were trying to listen to all he was saying, they got covered with the dust that he was uh, stirring up as he walked along. And there's many biblical examples of such things, aren't there? We, we look at Moses and we recognise that even as he went up onto the mountain, there was Joshua alongside him, learning from Moses we have Elijah and Elisha in a similar kind of partnership. We have Paul and Timothy in the New Testament. And then, of course, we have Jesus and his disciples for that three-year period as, as they virtually lived together through that whole time, doing all things together. They were all processes of mentoring, of learning from others by being with them, living with them to that degree. You know, all of us are mentors in some form or other. And I'd like to ask you the question this morning, who do you mentor? There's many different kinds, aren't there? There's uh, mentors that come from uh, uh, positions of responsibility, whether you're the leader or the boss of a particular group of people or a company. Whether you're a parent, parents have a very particular job of mentoring, don't they? Just uh, day by day leading children, watching them grow, guiding them in, in what they're doing. We've got coaches on our field and 
thinking of Bethany and watching her out there at times with the, the soccer kids at times and, uh, and recognising even from a young age we can have young people showing gifts of mentoring, being able to guide people in their skills. We can have mentors in, because of age or, or um, other relationships. We have brothers and sisters can be mentoring each other or at school. Um, again, family, seeing Linnell occasionally with, with Matthew and Phineas and seeing the way things like that happen. But fellow workers, um, all of those are situations where, where there's mentoring taking place and it's so important to us in our lives. There's mentors in spiritual maturity as well. Christians that have been along the road a little bit further, I think, I think that uh, song we've just been singing sums up so many of those uh, responsibilities of being a brother or sister to others that are alongside us spiritually or maybe coming along and, and learning, younger Christians learning from you. But as you ponder that, who has the Lord put into your life that you are in some way being a, a mentor for? You're demonstrating things that have happened to you and, and showing them things that are happening in your life and thereby strengthening and encouraging them. Peter's words this morning, oh actually that was back in overseas where one of our, our older students was there with the, the younger ones and just helping them, encouraging them in their, uh, in their understanding of the story that he was, particularly, uh, he was telling at that particular time. The Bible reading, though, is very much Peter as an older Christian talking to others that are uh, matching responsibilities in many ways, speaking to a, a group of elders. And I believe that the, his words from that passage this morning are for us as well. Let's look at first at uh, some of his qualifications. To the elders among you, he says, I appeal to you, as a fellow elder. He's saying, I'm, I know where you're at. I can empathise. I, I, I know the position that you hold. We know that um, Peter was such an impetuous leader in the early days of his ministry. But um, here he's, he's coming and, and speaking to them as one who's saying, look, I'm, I'm on a similar plane to you. See, mentoring has many different dimensions. We've got mentors above us, we have mentors in partnership with us, we have, we're mentoring people who are below, we've got, we've got those dimensions all happening. We have um, uh, parents that may be encouraging others in their particular role. I was reading of a, a, a father who was a bit frustrated by the fact that family devotions didn't seem to be going as, as he thought they should, even though his children were quite young at that age and uh, uh, they were too intent on either getting up from the table and, and moving on or getting on with their life in some way. And there was a, a fellow Christian that, whose family seemed to be, uh, have things together a lot better and he said, what's the secret? He said, well, perseverance, uh, participation and prayer. They were his three P's for his family devotions. Persevering that this is going to happen this way and we're going to do it. But participation, he said, I get the older children as we study a passage to ask questions of the younger children. 
that made them think about it some more and they became involved in the situation as well. And in such a way, one parent was mentoring the other in partnership in that side-by-side type of situation. And here Peter is saying, look, I'm alongside you in this. I know you have responsibilities in your eldership. I come to you as a fellow elder and I want you to, uh, to offer my experiences to help. He says, I'm also, I've also been a witness. And that's not working. Okay. Um, and in, uh, yeah, I, I have the advantage of being able to see it up there if you could, eyes in the back of your head too. That's good. Um, he could have said, as he said in, um, in his second letter, in 2 Peter, he says, uh, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. But he's, he's just relating back to the fact that this is part of what God has done in my life. These are the things that, that I've become aware of that now I'm passing on to you. That sort of experience gave him knowledge. And while we might think, uh, Peter, what, what are you going to mention? Are you going to mention the wonderful things that you were there and saw Jesus do? But what does he actually go on and say? I'm a witness of Christ's suffering. Out of all the things that uh, he felt were so important about the life of Jesus, he says, I was a witness to the sufferings of Jesus. In his mind, he knew that this was the, the major purpose for Jesus coming to earth, that he might die on the cross, that he might carry our sins. And as such, he could say, I was a witness of Christ's sufferings. I saw the hard times. I saw the things that Jesus went through. But he goes on to say beyond that, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Peter said, that's something I'm looking forward to. The ultimate goal, when Jesus was with his disciples, he, he prayed and he said, Father, I want them to see the glory, the glory I had with you before the earth began. And Peter had that that he was looking forward to. And you and I come into our mentoring role with, with a certain amount of experience and, uh, and qualifications and um, things that have happened in our life, good and bad. And these are those things that combine together to give us the, uh, the tools needed for this task of mentoring. Well, let's look at the task itself. A mentor is one who's passing on what they have learned, what's worked and hasn't worked, and passes it on to others so that those others can then also become teachers. We can see that happening in Paul's letters and so on. His, his desire is that um, having learned things and passed them on to other people, they'll then be able to pass them on again, that they can continue the process. So what does he say? He says, to be shepherds, to be shepherds. That duty of care, of feeding, of protecting. And isn't that what Jesus told Peter he was going to be doing? Even as he he asked him on the beach, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Be shepherds. Many years ago, I was privileged to um, go on a pastor's group to uh, to Israel and to the Holy Land overall and we actually began in Jordan and um, I can remember in a, being in a, a hotel on the outskirts of Jordan that was uh, uh, 
um, you know, three or four stories high, and there was a, a village green out there. I guess you'd call it in England, but it was a bit of a parkland. And I went out onto the balcony just as the sun was going down, and, and a shepherd came in just as uh, they might have many years ago. And he was leading a flock of sheep and he brought them into that, that grassed area and he went over and he stood over there at a tree and as the sun went down. And I, I was up fairly early that morning and I, and I looked out there and again there was the shepherd. He'd been there with the sheep all night just caring for them, looking after them. And Peter is saying to these people as a mentor, be shepherds. Jesus says, I know my sheep, I know their needs, and I want to use you to provide for them in that particular way because they're shepherds of God's flock. These precious lives that he's put un under our responsibility are God's. It's God's flock. They belong to him. Every life is precious to him. Every life has been made with a purpose. They have God-like qualities created in his image. 100 million sheep in Australia, what's that for each? I don't know how many we're being asked to mentor so far as the human sheep are concerned, but it certainly may be more than one. But God says they belong to him, but that is under your care. So we've been given a responsibility a divine charge, a charge for which we'll be held accountable. How well have you looked after my sheep? Um, I was typing once out that, um, uh, that text from Genesis of where is your brother? The word of, uh, Cain to, uh, of God to Cain about Abel. And I, as I was uh, typing it out, I left the R out of the word and it read out as where is your bother? And maybe sometimes brothers become bothers, don't they? Uh, but there's also that side-by-side -side, uh, mentoring that happens there within families. They're under your care. How? Not because you must, but because you're willing. Not must, but may. Not because you must, but because you may. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. I'm sure we're not uh, being paid for our mentorship in many, many situations, but we may be looking for people to say, hey, you're doing something well, or we're looking for praise, or we're looking for earthly gain and recognition. And Peter says, no, look, do it because you're eager to serve. While we are in Thailand, I was privileged to be leading a, a Bible study week by week with a group of missionaries, and one of the... Um, one of the missionaries said, the thing that, that takes missionaries away from the field, that um, negates the, all the good that they've, they've sought to do, are girls, gold and glory. The three Gs, he said, are, are so often responsible for, um, for missionaries having to leave the field and um, giving away their, their responsibilities and so on. But Peter said, no, watch out. Watch out for your motivations of why you're doing this. You're doing it because it will look good or for some other reason. In fact, you're not to be lording it over them. 
not dominating, not demanding, but um, watching for the, the needs of, of those as good bosses. You know, in, um, in one American study, they used to every year decide who was the worst boss that they'd heard about, and there was a boss there that had, had stopped his workers and sent them back to work when they were trying to help somebody who had um, uh, been, uh, suffered a heart attack. And another time when he, he withheld the, the news that one of the workers had been, been killed until after the end of the day shift so that people weren't distracted from what they were doing. And he was seen as being the, the worst boss at that particular time. We might ask, who's the boss of the church? And Jesus comes back and says, he who would be greatest among you must be servant of all. So motivations have something to do with all this and, uh, and how well we're doing things. And then he says, um, if you're younger, be submissive to those who are older. Be willing to be mentored. We can um, see leaders who fail because they have, uh, have not um, had others round about them who have been careful in their mentoring of them in caring for them in, in those particular ways. The upwards and downwards and the sideways ways mentoring that we've talked about. And we too need to be willing to be taught by others and that must continue. Because Peter says, in the way we do things, we're to be examples to the flock. Mentoring involves modelling. And whether we're examples in what we can do well or be examples in how we handle failure, then both are, are significant in the task that God gives us to do. And it's all to be done, Peter says, be an example in humility, in being humble about things that happen. As Jesus comes and washes the disciples' feet, and Peter says, clothe be clothed with humility. We're to be examples in how we deal with problems, in casting our, our troubles on the Lord, dealing with difficulties. You know, that verse is well known to us, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I can remember in the early days of, of doing Greek at, at college and, and looking at the literal translation of that particular verse and it says, cast your cares on him because to him it matters concerning you. I thought that was an amazing, amazing little insight for to, to him it matters concerning you. What, what's happening in your life is of concern to God and therefore we're able to come and cast our burdens, cast our troubles upon him and have confidence to believe he's going to be doing something about him. A person was explaining why they're happy today and, uh, and yesterday they weren't so happy and they said, today I pushed my thoughts around. The other day I let my thoughts push me around. Yeah, it happens. Remember the little, little ditty that said, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so, said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Yeah. Casting our cares upon God and being an example in how we're doing that and, and why we're able to, to um, 
demonstrate the day-by-day reality of a God who cares for us. And then Peter goes further and says, watch out, be alert. The devil is going around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil's always always active. Whether it's Job in the Old Testament or Jesus in the New, we have the reality of temptation being lived out. But Peter said one day, Chief Shepherd's coming. We're living with that uh, realisation and with that anticipation. He's bringing his rewards. And those are things that will never fade away. There is an end result for mentoring. There is a, not only the joy of watching people's lives change and th- seeing things happening that uh, transform their life, but a time when Jesus will reveal the final results of everything and how things happened. Day by day, mentoring, living with eternity in view. As we get older, we can be a bit like John Newton, who uh, once told a colleague he was packed, sealed, and waiting for the post. (laughs) Packed, sealed, and waiting for the post. I'm ready to go home. Who do you mentor? Who's come to mind when you start thinking about who's there day by day at your elbow, learning from you, people who uh, you're seeking to help in various ways? using your own experiences. You know, it's more than just studying things in books, isn't it? One, one person was um, talking to a colleague and, and saying, hey, uh, um, I've read everything I can about evangelism. I've gone to all these different conferences and everything, and I still find it very hard. And so he was invited to just go along with this person to come to a backyard barbecue where he'd invited in neighbours and friends. And he began to see how that person just interacted in a very very natural way with people who didn't know the Lord and as he built their confidence and and got to know something of their lives, the Lord began to work through that and that very much became a a, um, elbow learning for that particular person. God has given us responsibilities for his sheep and we're called upon to use the gifts and the experiences God has given to mentor others, to help build them up and make them more as Christ would have them be. Let's bow together in prayer and just take a moment to just bring before God the lives of those that are your responsibility, whether it's family, friends, brothers, sisters, colleagues, neighbours. Let's just spend a few moments just praying for that particular group of people. Now, Father, make us shepherds. Give us the resources, the desire and the opportunities to just help and encourage those alongside, whether it be in their Christian walk or whether it's in helping people come to know the Lord in the first situation. 
We pray, Lord, that you will use us and that we might see blessing come into the lives of others. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.